Welcome to Five Dubs by MDDC Press. I'm your host, Rebecca Snyder, the Executive Director of the Maryland, Delaware, and DC Press Association, which represents news media in our region. Five Dubs focuses on the who, what, when, where, and why of local news media. We'll talk with the journalists about the stories behind the news. You can find more information about our guests in the show notes or on our website, www.5-dubs.com. Welcome to Darren McCann and Sue Lyons, the uh, owners and and co-publishers, I believe, of Coastal Point in Ocean View, Delaware. So welcome to the program. Thanks. We're happy to be here. Great to be here. Thanks. Well, and I feel like it's a time to celebrate because I heard that you all are celebrating your 20th anniversary this year. So congratulations on that. And it's 20, right? Absolutely. Yep, next week. Wow. Okay. So um, let's talk a little bit about Coastal Point as it is now, because you have a, a, a... New, a printed news publication. You also do several magazines. You've got a robust website. And if you just look at behind you on the wall, you have a, a million <laughs> MDC awards. Um, that It always makes me feel so good to see all of those accomplishments just hanging up on the wall. So tell We're us about this. Too. Oh, <laughs> well, and, sitting in his office. It's the vanity wall. It's well, emotional good. support. And you guys get great awards for both editorial and advertising and video and things like that. So tell us about the, the publication or the company now and, and what you're doing and what it looks like. Go for it. Well, we've kind of morphed with society. You know, we've, we've had to put a bigger emphasis on digital, which had me fighting and scratching a little bit at the beginning. But now we see the benefits of it. We, we no longer are hostage to a print deadline. If we have information, we can get it out quicker. Um, we've also brought it, reached out to some special publications, if you want to talk about those yeah. a little bit. Yeah. We, we, we found a couple niche, like with Delaware Seaside Bride, mm. the only um, glossy bridal magazine in the area. So that has been pretty neat. Mm-hmm. And um, we try to keep everything very community-based. Everything about us is local. But so I think that's me- key for us. Well, and tell me more about that because Sue, I feel like, and I might be reaching here, but I feel like you grew up right around um, uh, your local community. You like you are you're a lifelong resident. So tell us about the community itself. What's yeah. it be like? I actually grew up um, less than a mile from the office, and I can actually walk to work if I want. My house is so my current house is so close to the office. It's only like two blocks away. That's amazing. Um, yeah, <laughs> so I have the shortest commute. Um, this is, this is an area that's, that's totally changed in the last 20 years. And and it's an area that's always going to change because we're a resort and so many people have found us from the metropolitan areas and they're all retiring here. So it's, it's an ever changing community. And I think that's one of the things that makes Coastal Point work because I'm from here and Darren is one that has moved here from the DC area. So we make a nice combination that we can mesh and, and meet the needs of everyone in our community. 
Well, and so how do you sort of, and I'm curious because you have in a rapidly changing community, you have retirees. So you have demographically a lot of different kinds of people in the mix. So you have people who have, you know, grown or lived in the, the DC area and then are coming here to retire, um, maybe with a little bit more wealth than the, than the um, sort of local community and, um, industry, how does, I'm curious as to how people kind of make their living in, in Ocean View, if you're not retired and on the water and how you editorially kind of serve an, from an advertising perspective, how you serve those different constituents. Let me take that on. Okay. Um, really, it, it's keeping blinders on and covering the local community. It doesn't matter if you were born here or you moved here. That planning and zoning meeting in Millville is going to matter if you live in Millville. Um, mm -hmm. The demographics have certainly changed. There has been a lot of money that's come to the community, but I think that's benefited the local community as well. The, the it, small it mom has. and pop businesses have benefited from people coming here with, you know, bigger wallets and bigger ideas and whatever they've brought with them. It's kind of a hodgepodge. It, Roman civilization, you know, we come to bring in everybody's culture and make our own culture down here. I love that. Yeah. And just from an advertising, so like things like Seaside Bride, that's a, I mean, you're such a destination. I'm kind of surprised that no one's kind of jumped on and you're the only glossy magazine covering that. What's, what's your secret? Are you now just really dominant in that space or what's going on? I think that, well, this area has become a destination wedding area. Certainly the farm wedding, the barn wedding has, has, has evolved over the last few years. You know, that seems to be the trend right now. And we probably have six or seven places that are doing that now. So um, and not including, you know, the country clubs and, and the other wedding venues that, that were already here. So it's, it's definitely a growing area in, in the wedding market because a lot of people, this is where they met. So they might be from D.C., they might be from Baltimore, but they were down on summer vacation they met each other at the bottle and cork or somewhere down here at the beach. And now they want to come back and get married at the beach or their parents have retired to the beach or, you know, so it has changed for that in this area. Mm -hmm. So I want to kind of um, go into the Wayback machine and think 20 years ago, next week, you were, starting out as partners, um, as business partners and, and, uh, about to launch coastal point, what was going through your minds at that point? Like what, what was the need that you saw and why did you feel like you all could fill that need? It was kind of like an old Looney Tunes cartoon where somebody's banging a drum inside your head every couple minutes. <laughs> we didn't, we didn't know where to go. We had op had the opportunity to work together before in a publisher editor relationship. So we knew, what we were about. And we both had some relationships in the community. Susan's obviously well ensconced here. So it was just, again, we're going to keep our nose to the grindstone. We're going to do what we do and we're going to support the community and hope they support us back. You know, I think a big part of it was we, we wanted to work together again. We always really worked well together. And, um, you know, during my career uh, of 20 years before that, I have worked with so many different editors, probably 15 different editors, but Darren was the one I really gelled with. And I knew that 
you know, we could, we could do something great together. And so what, um, what did you hope to achieve when you started? I mean, there's, there's other, uh, independents in, in the area. There's certainly, um, larger publications that, that maybe aren't covering the area as well, but what did you think you coastal point would bring to the community? We have a tagline, the local voice of your community. And I think that's what we wanted to bring. We wanted to be advocates for the community while we cover the community, which can be delicate, but it was what we wanted to do. We, I, I kind of wanted to get back to the roots of why I got into this business to begin with. And over the years, getting bought and sold many times and going with bigger and bigger companies, it, the, the vision changed into something else. And I wanted to go back to why I was originally in here. And and that's to serve the community, to be a part of the community. So now I'm interested in that tagline to advocate for the community while being a part of the community. And Darren, you talked about sometime that's a fine line. What are some instances where, where that has been a fine line for you all? Like how does that actually play out in real time to advocate Um, for the party? We had a situation here a few years ago where a treasurer of one of the local fire companies got caught. Uh, I believe it was about $200,000 this person had taken from the fire company. People turned their angst towards the fire company pretty quickly. Um, it was delicate. They, they sustained themselves based on donations. Oh. So we knew going into this that that could be a lot of backlash which could hurt our community in terms of safety. Um, so we went out this, we approached the fire company. They came to us. They, we wanted their ideas of how to make sure this would not happen again. So we got their plan. We published their plan. It wasn't letting them off the hook. It was telling people, okay, going further, going ahead, this is a safe place to make your donation because of this. Mm. So because something like that. We didn't want to we didn't take want to a see side. the fire company get destroyed. Yeah. yeah. In the, in the aftermath. Mm-hmm. Right. So you have a responsibility to the community to report on what's going on, but that also can extend or does extend to the follow-up to say, okay, well, this is what's happening next. Yeah. And to, you know, and to do, and, and to let the actions of the fire department speak for themselves, that they've yeah. made changes, they've, they've come up with a plan, and this is why it is safe to donate. Yeah. We, we reported where they went wrong what mistakes and shortcomings they had, and then where they're going forward. So that was the best we could do, we thought, in those circumstances. Yeah. And that's very clarifying. I mean, I think that really does exemplify what it is to serve your community. You're putting out all the information that you can so people can make the decisions that they need to about their their own lives. Yeah. Um, so I would imagine that you all are, are both, like, entering this period of reflection. You know, 20 years is a huge milestone. So much has changed in news media, in the world, um, in your own lives. Um, what are, what were some of the, the moments or highlights? What are you reflecting on as you head into that 20th anniversary? I think, I think we always think back to that first issue and how much harder it was to do than we thought it was going to be. If you knew how much work it would be, would you do it? Yes. We knew, but doing something from scratch the first time, you know, and, um, 
with very little resources. And we did this whole thing in two months time. We started this whole paper in two months. That's huge. That was just me and Darren in the beginning for the whole first month. Mm -hmm. And, um, and then we brought on Sean and he didn't come until two weeks before our first publication. And we had a, a reporter who was an intern with for me previously who had just graduated from college. So he had absolutely no experience. And, um, and then my best friend, I called her and said, I need you to come run the office. And so she came over and, uh, yeah. oh, and we had an ad rep too and an ad rep. So we started with nothing and it was fast and furious. And Sean is your, your designer. I'm still hung up on that to, to say that you brought in your design, your page designer, like two weeks before publication. Yeah. Um, it, with a from scratch publication. That's, that's wild. We pulled an all nighter just picking fonts one night. You know, it was one thing after another. It was uh, over yeah. and over again. We worked 24 seven, <laughs> literally getting that first issue out. We were here all night long. The three of us ran home and got showers, met back up and drove up to Dover to the printing plant to watch it come off the press. Oh, that must've been an amazing feeling to it see was. that come off the yeah. press. It's wild watching. I always love newspapers coming off a of press because just from a like mechanical standpoint, it's it's so interesting to see. But your own publication, that's um, that's amazing. So then, how did the public receive it? Like, what um, you were exhausted? At least you were clean, but you were exhausted when those papers came off. What what happened next? It was, happy hour. It, <laughs> <laughs> You can only do that at the beach happy hour in the morning. <laughs> no, it was it was exciting. We were at a happy hour after the first issue came out. We went to the to the local place where everybody hung out, you know, and everybody was talking about the paper and it was a, a big party. We kind of yeah. had a party. And I kind of feel like that's the um that when I think of Coastal Point, and of course we've known each other for years through the association, I always think about um, when you come to the annual conference where we give out those those awards that that are behind you and it always seems like your staff is like they celebrate one another they're excited for each other's wins um, and it does seem like you have just a a culture that really is focused on the staff and the team. And I think even, Sue, does your daughter still work with you as well? No, she's not, but she oh, did work not. with us for a while. So can you talk a little bit about the culture that you've built for Coastal Point? Because I think that's a really unique and um, interesting differentiator for you all. Go ahead. Well, well, I'll always say I always hire people smarter than me. So that's number so, one. Such a good plan. <laughs> Usually. <laughs> but um, you know, we we kind of say we have a we have a highly creative staff that probably does not fit in the corporate world. And that's the benefit of having your own publication. You can kind of design it to fit the needs that you want and how you want to approach it. Um, so I, we talked a little bit about just how, how things have changed in that 20 years. And as you reflect, you know, you think about the first, um, the first publication, but what, 
what keeps you at it? You know, there's, it, it is not easy. You know, I don't think anybody would say, oh yes, you know, the route to fame and fortune is to start your own local newspaper. Um, so what keeps you doing, what keeps you in this work year after year? The news never stops. You know, we, we put the paper to bed, we get to start on the next one. We went to press last night. We have our planning meeting coming up in about an hour to get going on this one. So it's a never ending chasing that carrot, I guess. It's a lot of fun though. It's different every day, right? Yeah, I think that's what I enjoy about it. I mean, the first day I worked in a newspaper office, I went home and said, oh my gosh, I love this. It's so exciting. There's always something different going on. You're dealing with so many different people, especially in a community like ours. You know, you can, you can be dealing with talking to somebody who's retired military from DC that worked at the Pentagon to, you know, the local farmer to, you know, somebody that runs, you know, the lifeguard at the beach. I mean, it, it's so the versatility in this area, the, mm -hmm. it, it's just so different. Everybody mm -hmm. is different and yes, and yet it all comes together and works. I could see that and how you can celebrate sort of all those different aspects of your, of your community. And, um, it is when you talk to, to news media people, like it is almost like an addiction, like, because it changes mm -hmm. literally all the time. Um, and things that have changed are, uh, you know, the ways of, uh, that people interact with news, um, sort of the formats, the, uh, even some of the, the techniques for news gathering, what are some of the changes that you've seen over that trajectory and how have you used those changes as opportunities? I, I think the internet's the big thing. Uh, when I started out as a reporter, if you couldn't find it in the morgue at the newspaper, you were down at the public library looking up stuff and now you're on your phone pulling it up in a matter of seconds. Um, but there's also a lot of misinformation out there that probably wasn't there before. So you kind of have to wade through that. You have to grade your sources as what's most legitimate and what isn't. It's just kind of changed in that regard. And you have more access to people. You can text people at any time. You can email people at any time. You, it used to be you had to catch someone in working hours or go stalk their home. You know, um, it's a lot different now. Mm -hmm. Better and worse. Yeah. yeah. And I also would think um, that sort of that trust and, and sort of when you talk about the amount of misinformation that's around, I'm interested in how you continue to build trust with your community because you are really focused. You have deep roots in the world, but yet there's all these other sources of information. Like people are always on like their Facebook neighbors group or next door or whatever and hearing different things coming in. So how do you, how do you feel like you can keep and enhance your credibility and keep focusing on trust in the community? Because I would assume that that's, that's part of your secret sauce. Like that's a critical area for your publication to, to really stay relevant. I think we recognize everybody wants to be heard. So um, as long as people keep their opinions to local issues, we'll let them run letters to the editor. We'll let them comment. But we always attribute things to the people who are, you know, experts. We have, we have a win situation here. People are allowed to voice their opinions either way, how they feel about these wind energy products, projects. Mm -hmm. 
But when we go to meetings, we tend to quote the experts in the field, the, the scientists and such. So people take what they're going to take out of it. All we can do is go to bed, accredit the right people with the quotes and go on with our day. I think the other thing that, that Darren does really well is he's not afraid to admit our mistakes. Mm -hmm. If Because if, we all make mistakes. It happens. You're going to get something wrong once in a while. And he always puts the correction rate up front. He, he kind of makes it kind of funny and will blame himself for everything and just say, oh, this crazy ball-headed editor was asleep at the wheel or whatever. And kind of, you know, so nobody ever comes in mad. You know, we're, we're like, hey, we screwed up. We're sorry. Here's the correct thing. You know. I think that makes a huge difference because, you know, you have to admit your fallibility, but also be able to um, to acknowledge where where you maybe have made a misstep or, or what can be done. So I think that's that's really important in terms of building trust. And, you know, you have to live the transparency that we're asking um, from others, which can be painful. Everybody loves transparency until it's on them. <laughs> Convenience is a hell of a drug. <laughs> oh, gosh, yes. So I wanted to, um, as we kind of wind up, I wanted to look to your next 20 years. So what's, what's on the horizon for Coastal Point? Where do you, where do you want to take the publication? You've, you've gathered more, you've, you've added more titles. You're, uh, you have a robust, uh, social and internet presence and you're kind of working through your, your news cycle all the time, but what's next for you all? We get to grow with this community. Um, you know, we've seen figures from the census while we've been putting together ideas for this 20th anniversary and we see 20, 30% growth in a lot of parts of the county and we would like to see that same growth as we continue to uh, evolve with the people that come and move here and raise families and start new businesses. And we get to document all that every day. And how cool is that? That's pretty yeah. amazing. And, and we are a free paper. So we're a hundred percent based. Our survival is based on our advertisers. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I think it's, you know, being out in the community and supporting our advertisers and, getting their word out and, and doing a successful product. You know, I don't want to just do an ad for an, an advertiser. I want to do a great ad for an advertiser because I want them to get response because if they get response, they keep buying us. And, and if they get response, the community is reading it. They're going to that restaurant or they're going to that business. And it's kind of a big circle that, that keeps everything going. Mm -hmm. And I do feel like when, if your community is growing, um, that is, is it ever a challenge to, or not really a challenge, but how do you consciously reach out to a changing community? Um, as a free paper, you, you can kind of control your circulation and make sure you're in different places throughout the community. But what are you doing to kind of um, make sure that you are relevant to to as many people in the community as you can be. I think, I think nobody else does what we do. Mm. We, we cover nine towns. We're a, a pretty small area, but we have nine towns that we cover. Towns. A county council, a school district. Um, Unincorporated areas. Yeah. Nobody else does that, you know, unless something huge happens here. 
then the radio or TV will be here or the dailies will be here. But on everyday things, nobody's going to a South Bethany town meeting or, you know, a Millville town meeting unless there's something big happen, happening, like right now with windmills. So that's right. that's a huge thing right now. So we're seeing other media in here, but normally you don't see that. So that second homeowner that's sitting in D.C. that has a house in Bethany, we're the only place he's going to get that news of what, you know, are they going to change the parking fees for next year? Are they going to, you know, what, what affects their life when they're down here at the beach? No, and that makes sense because by hyper local and focusing very uh, clearly on the community at hand, you know, if when people are invested in their communities, they need Coastal Point to continue their journey and to to inform them about what's going on. So it, it sounds like your first 20 years has been amazing with highs and lows and a great partnership. And I think we're all looking forward to seeing what you'll do in the next 20 years. So congratulations on the milestone. Um, invite us to the party. And I can't wait to, to see what all happens and transpires. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for having us. Thanks for all you do at the Press Association. You keep these newspapers going. We appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Absolutely. Great. We'll talk soon. Thanks. Thanks, Rebecca. Thanks for listening to Five Dubs with Rebecca Snyder. Please subscribe and leave us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts so that others can find us. What do you want to know about local journalism? Email me at rsnyder, S-N-Y-D-E-R, at mddcpress.com. Interested in supporting our podcast and journalism? Please donate to our 501c3 Press Foundation. Find out more and see the full episode list and show notes at www.5-dubs.com.